anyway, don't have a go at yourself with an electric razor on drugs, folks. <laughs> That's a bad time to have anything that could potentially injure you in your vicinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a confluence of things. <laughs> It was a confluence of things. I, I, I gobbled up a bit of drugs and um, got really good at Demon Souls. I don't know where I am in the game or how I got there, but I kicked ass. I've got, I've got recorded footage. All I remember was yelling, how am I getting away with this? Because it's simultaneously the worst and best Demon Souls play you will ever watch. I'm going to have to put it somewhere. This is the thing. Sometimes all you need is just something to get you into that zen state where you're not overthinking it. And I'm sure you probably weren't overthinking it. No, I mean, I couldn't tell where, where the castle ended and the enemies began. But you were butchering them. I was butchering them and getting butchered. I mean, that's where the worst comes in. Like, you'd watch it and you think, why are they getting into these ridiculous situations? Why are there ten enemies around that person? Holy <laughs> shit, how are they all dead? And <laughs> and Jim is still alive. It's, oh, it was brilliant. But anyway, long story short, later on in the day, I thought, right, let's do a bit of maintenance because apparently, right, going the transfer route goes, comes with a lot of maintenance that I mm. was not privy to beforehand. So anyway, there I am. It's been hours and I've been playing... I've been so on drugs, I've been playing Call of Duty multiplayer for the first <laughs> time in years, right? And then thought to myself, okay, time, time, for, time for a bit of maintenance at one in the morning. I can't blame you for thinking that, because, like, you know, everything seems like a great idea when you've done a little bit of drugs. Well, and, yeah. And, you know, if, if you're going to spend hours on maintenance, you might as well spend hours on maintenance while you're having a good time. Well, yeah, it's, it's just it was a little electric race are just for the legs bit it's not meant to be for like basically what i'm saying is is we could play a new game called jimmy or freddy where you get a close-up <laughs> of my skin and fred fucking kruger's skin and try and guess which is which yeah, I vividly remember the first time I was like, yep, I'm going to try and fight my way through the forest that is my leg hair and ah uh, Mm, it was an experience. Yeah, the legs aren't so bad. They're used to it. I've been, I've been, I've, I've got that nailed. But then I thought to myself, right, this'll work on everything. Oh no. Oh no. And, and it wasn't just that, cause, cause I will use it on my arms and stuff and it's fine. Sure. Yeah. But not like everywhere on the arms, like where it's really sensitive skin. And, yeah. and also you shouldn't be doing it at one in, you shouldn't be doing it at one in the morning anyway, if you're, if you're sleepy. But also when, when you, when you're in a state where everything you do is extra and has to be done like, three times more than it has to be done. Yeah. I don't know how long that razor was on me, but it was on me a while. You can't settle for just doing it. You've got to, like, absolutely every hair that has ever existed has to go because you're on a mission now. Oh. I wish your skin well. <laughs> I'm in a state. I'm not getting used to this whole shaving thing anyway. It's, oh, God, I come up in the worst conditions. I've got little exfoliating gloves. Yeah. Don't you worry about it. I'm on the opposite end of the scale where, because lockdown has happened, like, here's the thing. Usually, every few months there will be an excuse of some event where I'm like, I want to have nice legs for this, and I will, I will, you know, there will be leg maintenance. During lockdown, I've been like, I'm just at home and no one's going to see. And my legs are in quite the state. I have not been upkeeping them as well as I should have. I've got quite the forest going on. <laughs> see, I need to get to that point where I'm also sort of like over the whole trans thing so that I can get to that point where in, like, where I'm not just constantly maintaining everything just for me. It's part of the journey. You've you've got the journey where you've got the bit of it where you've got to do it for yourself like all the time, always done. And then you get out of the other side and it's like, hey, I'm still just as validly femme even if my legs are hairy as fuck because I know a lot of my cis female friends have hairy as fuck legs right now as well because we're all just like, fuck it. We're not going outside. Who cares? It's all part of the parabola. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I, I'm looking forward to coming out the other side of that one because I, I'm I'm in pain. Oh, trust me. I had a few years of the gotta shave every inch of skin on my body every single day. There was a couple of years where it's like, oh, every day, let's get a pair of tweezers and manually pluck my mm. entire face. You know, you, you go 
through it. You remember the the rock DJ, the Robin Williams rock DJ music video got yeah. banned in the early 2000s? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that. I feel like Robin Williams in that video when he takes all his skin off. Conrad, I don't know if you've ever seen the rock DJ music video. It was banned in the United Kingdom. But Robin Williams from Take That did a song called Rock DJ. And in that music video, he starts stripping for all these ladies, but they're never satisfied. They're never satisfied, Conrad, by Robin Williams, heartthrob of a nation. It's not enough. So running out of ideas, he's completely naked, right? He was down to his underpants. He's like, this ain't getting them. This this isn't drying them up. Comrade, you're not ready for the next... You're not ready for where this goes. You're not ready. Off comes the pants. They're still not happy. He's right. Like, what else is coming off? Skin... Obviously. Um, Proceeds to de-glove himself. Okay, yeah, I am watching this music video right now. <laughs> yeah, he takes, his, he takes his skin off because the women just demand more, more, more of him. He just can't give enough. They, 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 it, it is not enough that he's naked. No. He will have to have the skin removed. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. It's the extremism <laughs> of culture that, that we're in. We live in a society where uh-huh. you can't get nude enough. Uh-huh. I see that they're, they're nodding their heads. Yeah. Uh, and Robbie's thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Off. That is uh, some proper fucking Hellraiser shit right there. You can see why this wasn't allowed on TV. <laughs> I feel like Robin Williams in that video right before he pulls his buttocks off and throws them. Although, I, I, got, I gotta be honest... Makes it work. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's certainly giving it his all. He's a heartthrob of a nation. I have nightmares about skinless Robbie Williams every now and then. <laughs> well, that's why it was banned. He's a skeleton by the end of it. In fact, if you played <laughs> it in reverse, it literally would be the plot of Hellraiser. <laughs> oh, oh, he's about to remove his gluteus. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Just grabs him. Hor- Huh. Yeah, you see why I can't I can't stand behind this video. Anyone who removes their butt, not for me. Well, I tell you what, right? <laughs> Talking of butts, I've been reading this amazing book. What have you? Yeah, it's a, it arrived. It's called Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, and it's by Laura Kate Dale. It's a very classy book. Oh shit! It's that thing I made. <gasps> I'm so happy with the physical quality of that book. It's amazing, right? The, all all the, the the art print quality in there is so nice. Nice. So good. It's it's a beautiful book. Laura's been talking about it on the podcast for quite some time, and um, it's got a lot of con- contributors in it. I'm in there, and, and I think Ashens is in there, right? We got Ashens, we got uh, Justin McElroy, we got um, Brian Altano, Max Scoville, a bunch of people whose names I'm completely blanking on at the second. Lots of contributors in there. Lots of cool people who have dumb words in it. Lots of cool people, lots of asses, lots of fantastic artwork of all of the asses, and just a high-quality book, like, like production-wise. I keep picking up my copy and just going, how did someone let this get this far <laughs> and get this professional? How did someone let this be a, a thing that existed in this quality level? Because it should not have been allowed. <laughs> well, it does sort of help you realize how it can be possible that boneheaded decisions get made in industries despite all of the people along the way that could have stopped it from happening. Oh, God, yeah. There, there are two years in which a publishing house and all of its staff could have had someone go, is it a good idea to make a book... Of video game character butts. And no one did. No one stopped me. They just let me get away with it. (laughs) This is a classic case of two sides of a single coin. Because the very system, the very system that gave us the fist symbol in Tom Clancy's Gestapo Force (laughs) is the exact same system that also got us a wonderful book about arses. Here's to America and a complete lack of checks and balances. Woo! <laughs> Even though Laura's in the UK and Ubisoft is French, so the, the anti-democratic spin I put at the end doesn't quite ring true. <sighs> Fuck America! Well, but America's the place where all of these things can happen, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, it's the land of opportunity. If there's a chance for something terrible to occur, America's got it cut. It will happen. It's, it's not a case of could. If something terrible could happen, it will happen. But that system also lets books about arses happen. So, yeah. you know, 
Swings and roundabouts, classic case. I'm excited for people to finally get that, because like the people who wrote words for it are starting to get their copies now, which is exciting. Um, mm. I think we're like about, if I had to estimate, I think about two weeks before the people who backed it but when we're doing the crowdfunding, should be getting their copies. Sure. And then February 4th, it'll just be out. Great. Ah, oh, I'm excited for this to just finally be out there. It has been it has been a long time in the works, this thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a it's a brilliant book. And it's called Things I Learned About Mario's Part by Laura Kate Dale. And out in February. Did you say the exact day? February 4th, 2021. There we go, February 4th. I mean, what the fuck? Why haven't you pre-ordered it? Yeah, you should go pick up a copy and read, you know, Jim talking about shoving a hand up a pig's ass. The hell is your problem? Get the book. <laughs> so, sort it out. You know mistaken identity, Laura and Conrad? Mm. Yeah. Now, you know when identity is, is mistaken, right? It's often referred to as a classic case. I said classic case earlier and it got me thinking, right? Why is it always mistaken identity? That's, what other, what cases of mistaken identity are so iconic that they're classic? That other things aren't classic cases. Huh. Admittedly, this is more of a question for Jonathan. You don't hear classic case of grand larceny, do you? No. No. Or, or a classic case of eating a banana. But if it's a mistaken identity, right, the instinct is to say it's a classic case of it. At least that's been my observation in the past three and a half minutes. No, it's a good observation, and I'm now furiously Googling, being like, what, what was the classic case of mistaken identity? Right? Surely there is... One, the classic case of mistaken identity. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's the studio set that people often confuse for the moon, but it's just where they filmed it. Ah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> the moon landing didn't happen. Some video games. Mm. We're here. There's some of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did anyone play one? And do they want to talk about it, perhaps? Well, there's loads, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There's plenty of them that exist. Did either of you play one this week? Mm-hmm. I played loads. Conrad, did you play any video games? I did play some video games, yes. Oh, yes, I did. Did you enjoy them? Yeah, they were pretty good. Oh, brilliant. Do you want to tell us which one you enjoyed? Yeah, let's tell us that one. Oh, sure. Oh, thanks. Oh. <laughs> I'm still playing Hades. <laughs> yeah? Cool, cool. Yeah. It's, it's, I think I've uh, cleared maybe 17, 18 times now. I've unlocked all the aspects. I mean, you're playing it more than me at this rate. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, I, the game continues to be enjoyable. It has a highly satisfying gameplay loop. I'm getting a little burnt out on punishments. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I don't need it to be harder than it is already. It's fine with the difficulty that I have it at. You know, I keep just cycling around whatever weapon gives me the bonus. Yeah. And then if it's, you know, the spear or the shield or the bow and arrow, I lose. <laughs> and if it's the sword or the gauntlets or the gun, I win. I'm, I'm glad you have the same weapons that you can win with and lose with as I do. That is exactly how my split has worked out. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 still fun. I, you know, I It's something I'm happy to pick up because I have an hour to kill and or I have something going on that's working in the background that I can fiddle around with it and set it down quickly because it's amenable to that. I have kind of been enjoying the pressure of like turning on the time limit yeah. to, to finish a run. That's That's been fun. I've, I've been tempted to start messing around with that. I feel like I may be ready for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's not as bad as you think, frankly. Yeah, because it, it doesn't take into account apparently things like if you stop to talk to an NPC, the whole time you're in those exclamation mark rooms doesn't get counted. Fishing doesn't count. Yeah, deciding what boon to take doesn't count. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't get counted in the time limit that makes it seem not as scary as it sounds. When I turned it on at, you know, the nine minute time limit and went through Tartarus and I realized, oh crap, you clear Tartarus in about two and a half minutes. Mm. You know, it's really not that long. Now you get up to Elysium and your time starts to drag a bit because you have all of those respawning enemies. And if you happen to have some of the other punishment packed stuff in there, that could get real bad. Like um, the the one that gives perks to armored foes. Yes. Those respawning enemies will split into multiples with Mm. that. And then it just really gets to be tedious fighting them off. I imagine that the the final floor is probably a bit of an issue because your 
ability to get through it on a time limit is going to vastly depend on how many of those runs you have to do before you get the uh, the Sata sack. Yeah. And that's actually where I am in a run right now is I've been forced to do four paths. <gasps> uh, oh. Unexpected. Yeah. And I still, you know, so I don't know how that one's going to go. I have like a death defiance left and I'm near, nearly dead. It's going real good. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's still fun. I'm still enjoying it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very good game. And and probably probably from an objective viewpoint, the best game I've played this year. It's going to be hard to knock that off the top spot for me, I think. It's one that I keep finding myself wanting to come back to pretty consistently. I can be playing something else and going, I mean, I wouldn't be sad if I put this down and picked up Hades. Yep. Uh, what about you, Jim? What have you been playing? Oh, all sorts. Cornucopia of delights, my friend. Mm. Uh, the moon landed didn't happen, but I played um, <laughs> a lot of Call of Duty, like I said. Shouldn't have. I, I was playing it last night for aforementioned reasons. I mean, it's the only reason I would decide now is the time to seriously get into Call of Duty multiplayer again, <laughs> which I did for a God knows how long, maybe a couple hours. It's a blur, but I was doing all right at it for the same reason I was doing all right at Demon Souls. But then I think the entire PlayStation Network crapped out, so it was unplayable for a while. It's okay. You know, it's Call of Duty. Um, I didn't find it as alienatingly exclusive to people that do nothing but play COD, as I have done with previous Call of Duty multiplayer games. Usually these days I just focus on the campaign or zombies if they've got it, do a video on that shit and call it a day. Always making a point to smarmily talk about me not talking about the multiplayer. <laughs> but I played some of it and it, it you know, it was fine. It was, it was what it always is. So that was that. They know how to make a competent first-person shooter. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They sure know how to do that. So that's all I've got to say about that. I'll, I'll quickly squeeze out another one quickly, I guess, um, for now. Yeah, Miles Morales I finished. Yeah. So do... So do Insomniac have permission to use any Spider-Man villains? <laughs> <laughs> or do they just get, like, one or two and, and they're told to make do? Because when I said last week that I was a little bit leery about it when the first thing they showed was Rhino. I was equally leery by the fact that the last thing they showed was Rhino. It begins and ends with Rhino. Oh dear. Oh my. I mean, it wasn't the last thing. There is another villain. You're exaggerating I mean, a bit. Am, I, am I? Look how high pitched I've got. That's not exaggerated. <laughs> hey, Rhino is in there more than once, but there are also other villains who are the driving force of the narrative. There's another villain that's the driving force. There are two narrative villains, and th this is not a story about Rhino being the scary villain. Should be. Rhino is narratively insignificant. Well, that's always been true, isn't it? Well, yeah. The only other significant supervillain is indistinguishable from her minions. That's another issue for okay, me. I disagree with Indistinguishable, that. Indistinguishable, mate, I, right? I think you're being a bit exaggerated. Hell no, I couldn't tell who was who. Dressed exactly the same. Nothing like super villainy to stand out. She dressed thematically consistently with her minions. I, d I think it was like pretty easy to tell which one was her. And nah. I liked their whole scheme. They, they had a very visually interesting thing going on that allowed for lots of fancy visual effects on the new shiny box. I'm like, oh, look, isn't very pretty. Well, yeah. I mean, it would be prettier if it was, you know, running at 30 frames per second, but I'm an adult, so you, know, <laughs> you and I both have, have got the adult one on. Oh, yeah, of course we do. It's the only way to play video games now. <laughs> Multi Morales as a character is great. Like, the actual character work yeah. for the protagonist is really good. The plot is so banal. It's like, oh, the villain has noble goals, but going about it the wrong way that'll hurt everyone. And it's like, that was the plot of the first one. And every story that's ever been told. I will say, it suffers a bit from that age-old problem of just fucking tell the person. Oops, you didn't tell them. Now they're mad that you didn't tell them. It's got real problems of that. It's just, it's a beat for beat, like, like just trope-laden superhero story. It is, but like, here's the thing. 
I really didn't mind because Miles' characterization was so good that it just carried me through. I was having such a good time with him as a person. The thing is, is I've had Into the Spider-Verse. I know Miles Morales can get a way better story than what this was and deserves a way better story than what this was. I mean, one issue the game has is it's been marketed as more than it is because in terms of um, asset use and scale and story impact and everything, it is just an expansion to the the first one which is evidenced by the fact that they reuse rhino twice i again i i feel differently about that like did you play through all of the dlcs for the for the ps4 game uh at least two i think yeah those dlcs weren't great those dlcs were what i would say like oh that's a oh, no, that's it's a- better than dlc it's better than those dlcs i'm just saying it's been marketed as a little bit bigger than it is well I, I I think the comparisons that they keep making to Uncharted The Lost Legacy are pretty apt. Like, there was nothing fundamentally wrong with the open world they already had. They basically just gave it a new coat of paint by covering it in snow, which made it look visually different enough that I didn't care that I was in the same open world. And it's still fun enough to swing around that I didn't really give a shit. And I, I felt that there was, like, plenty enough content in here that, like, I 100% went and got every collectible in this game. I never do that for open world games. I did it for the first Spider-Man and I did it for this one because I I was having a great time start to finish and I felt like the narrative stuff they put in there and the new moveset stuff for Miles I thought were like no this this feels like its own thing that justifies being a separate experience even if it is a shorter one. Again I'm not saying it's not justified I'm not like it's it's fine I'm talking about Marketing. I'm talking about the the way it's been presented as something bigger than it is. I never got the impression it was meant to be more than this. Look, the very first trailer, yes. They had a real marketing problem with their very first trailer, not making it clear that this was going to be an Uncharted The Lost Legacy length pseudo-sequel. See, I'm not just talking length, though, is the thing. I'm talking, again, Rhino twice, really, and the plot having no major impact. Like, real good character development, but but, like... It feels so side story, like so disposable. I really didn't have the same problem that you did with Rhino, primarily because of the differences to mechanically how he was fought later on. And I thought that that created a really nice bookend for where Miles had grown between the two encounters. And look, it is very much a Miles Morales origin story. It is a story about like, hey, what sets me apart from the other Spider-Man? And I think it did a really good job at that of going, this isn't just other Spider-Man, this is his own character. They'd have done a better job of explaining how Miles Morales is his own character if they'd have given him his own plot and not Peter Parker's plot from the first game. You're being facetious, it's I'm not I'm not being that. facetious, it's the same thing. It's this it's... visionary villain with these noble intentions who's going to destroy everyone because they've got it wrong. Hey, hey, Jim... If you summarise it like that, you can make literally every superhero piece of media that's ever been made is that plot. Like that. No, you can't. I I can't do that with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you can. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is exactly that. Not Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I'm sure I could list a bunch of them off the top of my head. The fact that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 isn't that either. Ego is not like well intentioned. He turns out to be a complete megalomaniac. Well intentioned villain who's trying to make things better but makes things worse is a well-worn trope. It's not that this is... Oh, you. Yes, it is. It's not that you stole the plot of the first Spider-Man. It's you stole the plot that gets used infinitely frequently in superhero shit. That's the point I've been making as well. Like, the fact that it's the first... It's the plot of the first one isn't so much the point as is that's the plot of so many things. Look, the background story might be a bit predictable in some of its beats, but what I really enjoyed was seeing... And this is something that I don't think Spider-Verse addressed that this did. And, like, largely I think Spider-Verse is a better storytelling device than this, but I think that this did a better job of setting apart Miles' style of being much less of a fucking cop about being a superhero. All the stuff to do with, we've set up a little neighbourhood safety app, and it's the the fact that he's helping out with things that aren't go punch some people who bought some drugs in an alley, beat them until they're senseless. No joking about being Spider-Cop. He's he's trying to be a part of his local community. And Yeah, like I said, the the character, like, work on Morales is good. Like, Miles' character 
stuff is good. Yeah, and that's the thing. For me, that was sprinkled thoroughly enough through the plot that I did not mind that it was set over a generic template because I'm not surprised the template is generic. I... I didn't mind it at all because of the character work. Okay. I mean, I mean, like, like I'm in a minority opinion on this. I know that much because, like, you know, the praise for Miles Morales has been through the roof from what I've seen. But I just, I, I mean, I couldn't help but once it became clear that it was over and it wasn't from a... Again, it wasn't from me feeling like I didn't have enough content per se. It was like the Venom film for me. It's like once once it became clear, oh, this isn't the midpoint. This is the final act. Narratively, it felt like a midpoint. That's my issue. Narratively, pacing-wise, it felt... By the time it was over, I was like, oh, is that it? I, I just didn't feel like anything had happened. You are welcome to feel that way. I, I differ in opinion on this. I, I felt very satisfied by what was there. Mm-hmm. To the point that I'm like, if I've got some time I might just New Game Plus this and I never New Game Plus stuff because it's not too long and I had a blast and I kind of just want to keep going with it One thing I do need to point out is I'm not complaining about more Spider-Man like gameplay wise it's like I, I even have started a New Game Plus on it for the gameplay like l- for the gameplay itself, not the plot or, or anything. Because Miles Morales is fun to play with, the, the electric venom attacks and the stealth, the, the yeah. invisibility stuff. That's all really cool to play with. The the actual mechanics of the, the Spider-Man app, the, the net friendly neighborhood Spider-Man app, swiping and picking a job and going and doing a little side, like that's all good. There's a lot in this that is really good and I didn't actually intend to go as long as we did about the plot because this is now one of them situations where I've dug my heels in and it's going to come across like I really fucking hate the thing and I don't hate it have you done a Conrad with Hades here definitely done a Conrad with Hades Although I, I think Conrad regards hate is a bit higher than I regard it than I regard this. But again, I don't hate this. It's it's fine. Yeah, I'm being silly. <laughs> so I, I played something that I know you've played this week, Jim. What's that? Age of Calamity, the <gasps> totally not a the Hyrule Warriors sequel, Breath of the Wild prequel. I'll tell you what, right? Right. It's okay. Is it game? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think Hyrule Warriors, the first one, was the better experience, but technically the better game is this one. Yeah, I'm having a much better time with this one in terms of how they've structured the non-story content and how they've doled out the side quest content as you go. Because mm-hmm. obviously Hyrule Warriors um, Definitive Edition had those adventure maps, which is where a lot of your like go-do challenge missions were segregated to there at the end of the game in their own. Yeah, simultaneously amazing and horrible. Yeah. Because it was so much content and so many cool things to unlock. But so many of the levels were horrid. Yes, and it was all, like, thrown at you at once in a very overwhelming, like, oh my god, it's here and there's too much of it, I can't cope. Yeah, like, just baffling. This does a much better job of, like, every time you complete one main mission, it'll drop, like, 10 to 15 little dots around the map and go, here's a bunch of new stuff. Some of it'll just be, you know, give in some resources and get some extra health. Some will be an actual mission to go do. Yeah. It, it dots them really nicely time-wise throughout the story. Mm-hmm. And then BB-8 will point at anything on the map that, you know, really deserves attention. Yeah, with his little slide whistle. Sounds exactly like a clanger. Does sound exactly like a clanger. It's a little clanger yeah. robot. It's adorable. I would die for that tiny robot. I'll tell you what, right. If in Hyrule Warriors you blow up a rock in a in a wall and you go in it, and there's a fountain there. And instead of a fairy, out comes the fucking soup dragon. 10 out of 10 game of the year. If you put the soup dragon from Clangers in, <laughs> this is, this is very funny to anyone who knows Clangers and cares enough about Zelda to imagine soup dragon in a, in a fairy fountain. Either way, this is very funny to someone. Oh, I am th- I am there with you. But yeah, I've been really enjoying it. I have gotten really into it. I want to be playing it all the time, even when I should be doing other things. Nice. During the couple of minutes that you that we had to wait because you were sorting something before we started the podcast, I was still playing it. I want to be playing it now. It's good. It's good. It's very good. I've only played it on stream so far. Yeah. Um. I've I've been you know busy fucking around with the PS5 outside of streams. Yeah. But I've really enjoyed it. I really like that even though the the cast is is more limited than the first one, the cast of playable characters, um, as people had sort of hoped, they've expanded them moveset-wise and everything and given them a ton. And I will say, 
the playable cast of characters is bigger than I thought it was. It's nice and meaty. And, you know, it's meaty enough. It's just, it's small compared to other Warriors games, but that's about it. It's small compared to other Warriors games, but like, I have been told that there's multiple other characters that I still haven't seen yet, and I'm quite a way into it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, because I've not looked up like all of what's in it. I'm looking forward to discovering. Same. I've kept myself completely on in the dark on this until characters get unlocked, and there have been some very fun, weird pulls that I did not expect. There is at least one that feels in the vein of like, oh, this is getting the fucking Bug Princess from Twilight Princess going on. Like, I never thought this would be a playable character that I'd get to be. And that's, I mean, that's that's why I, there was that whole, you know funny coincidence where I quote-unquote predicted Bug Princess in, in Hyrule Warriors is because that's what's so good about the Warriors series. Like, yeah. you know, half the playable characters in Dynasty Warriors historically were, like, strategists who <laughs> never so much as picked up a bread knife. So I I was always prepared for some strange pulls, and it's what makes these, these games so interesting, is they won't just do the main characters. Exactly. And, like, with Breath of the Wild, I wasn't sure what would be weird pulls they could go for and would go for and i have been very pleasantly surprised with where they've gone for their picks which is all i really wanted that's that's the kind (laughs) of surprises i enjoy yeah yeah that's part of the joy of the games is unlocking all the weird characters yeah the the characters all feel like distinctly different from each other and they all have like really nice move sets yeah they've all got sort of their own sort of gimmicky in a good way moveset so mm. was gimmicky can be good yeah. and, and they've each got their own sort of weird spins and they've got the usual you know regular attacks and strong attacks that you can turn into sort of combo attacks um they also every character has access to like the sheikah slate abilities like bombs and the magnets and the ice blocks but they behave differently per character yes every character does it differently so for example link at the, at the most simple can throw a bunch of bombs when you do the bomb ability if you do the bomb ability with Zelda, she will walk around in a four-legged tank spewing <laughs> bombs. Exactly. Uh, Rivali, I think, has like a row of bombs he fires out in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like his bow and arrow. Yeah, and they're all like totally different. Like, And and each character has their own sort of just one button press, do a, a special ability like Link can fire a bunch of arrows. Mifa, who I've really enjoyed, yeah. the Zora character, can create these little little blobs of water on the ground and then use them to boost herself up and do an attack and it's really cool. I think my favourite right now um, of the ones that I know you've got is Rivali who has like an entire separate aerial move set. You can just make him yeah. fly and then he's got a completely different set of moves. That freaks me out on stream where I, I struggle with my attention span and I don't know how to get him out of the air <laughs> but it's really cool. Oh, press the fly button again and he goes down. <laughs> Halfway through a stream I'm like, I know there's a fucking fly button. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, if, if I'm not streaming, I'll know exactly where it is. But I just... I do worry as games on streams because they're easy to sort of do. You don't yeah. have to think too much. But with this one, it's not that you have to think a lot. It's just there's so much they can do. Yeah. But it's easy for you to forget everything you can do. Yeah. And there's still stuff I don't know how to do with some of the characters. Like, I keep seeing... Um, I had I had a little encounter where I was doing a practice match against Impa. And Impa was doing a bunch of shit where I was like, I don't know how to do that with you. How do yeah. I make you do that? You're riding around on a frog. How do I ride around <laughs> on a frog? Yeah, I've not gotten to grips with Impa yet. Impa, I've very much been playing as a character where I summon multiple clones and then I just use her to fight like big groups of enemies as multiple of herself. I've not worked out how to do a lot of her other shit. Yeah, that's about it. I've, been, I've, I've managed to sort of work out how to get a lot of her and then use them for like a big special attack. I can mash buttons until I get a lot of her. I can do exactly. that. <laughs> and then I have fun having a billion of her. Exactly. Some of the others I've nailed better. Yeah. Yeah. There are some characters, as with any Warriors game and with Hyrule Warriors, where like, I can't work out how to make you fight good, but you're fun to use. There's definitely a bit of that going on. Yeah, you're still doing plenty of other stuff. Yeah. I've got a couple of characters that like, I'm very glad are there. I can't work out how to make them do shit, but... Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, like the, the attacks are all more exaggerated and over the top and interesting and, and um, yeah. they're more useful. Like I, I kept, I keep talking about this because it's the biggest change and the one that I'm happiest about is in the original Hyrule Warriors, when you faced a bigger enemy, most of your moveset felt useless oh, yeah. because all you were doing was waiting for the enemy to attack and create a weak point 
going and then you chip that away and eventually when you wore that down you do one big attack that took off almost all their health and rendered everything else you did obsolete. Whereas in this one, there is that system, but the other stuff you do is useful as well. Like you do your big special attack and that actually opens up the weak point at will or the you get the opportunity to use your Sheikah Slate abilities when prompted to stop an enemy in their tracks. And the regular attacks and stuff does not massive damage but it does damage now and i i like that they signal so well what's sheikah slate thing you need to use to deal with an attack they signpost it really well so that like i feel in control of that you get your perfect dodging now which lets you do the flurry slashing and that gives you so many more opportunities to chip away that big shield as well now that you can do it with the the dodge yeah so it's just making every part of your moveset feel valuable rather than negligible i really like as well how things that work in Breath of the Wild can be replicated here to fight the same enemies. I like that that's a thing. Um, I like that there are certain characters that are better equipped to deal with the weak points of certain other characters. Like, if you're playing with any character with a bow, you're going to have a much easier time with those big one-eyed uh, Hinox, I think they're called, the big Cyclopses, because you can fire your bow and arrow at their eye, and that's no. going to make it much easier to deal with. Like, I love a lot of these little intricacies that are in there. The only major drawback I have so far is, um, and it doesn't come up massively, are those Divine Beast sections. They're so slow and dull. I'm loving that. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're not more frequent than they are. I don't want them to be very often. But once every few hours, I'm gonna get a big elephant and make it shoot a laser that kills four thousand moblins at once. I'll have fun doing that. Sure. I mean, on paper, it's good. It's just it's a little slow for my liking. Some of the later ones feel less slow. That's good. Yeah, I, I have no real sense of how far into it I am. I'm just... All I want to be doing is playing it right now. It's the it's the game that I care about playing. Excellent. <laughs> I'm, I'm having fun. I, I did not expect it to be this good, considering it was like trying to be a couple of things at once. Yeah, yeah. But again, you know, it's, it's that that tried and tested formula of when a mega force is doing someone else's property <laughs> they put the effort in they do the graft they put the resources into it and they make something they don't just churn out another warriors game it's made with a lot of love or at the very least a lot of contractual obligation <laughs> Conrad, what else have you been playing? Well, I, I've been playing Hades specifically, like, while you were talking about all that. I did finish that run, by the way. Oh, you got through it? Yeah, I had I, I, I had to do all five of the fucking things. <gasps> fucking uh, I've never had to do five. I managed to make it until, like, last week before I had to do more than two. Wow. Yeah, I wound up doing all five of them, and which left me with five minutes on the clock to fight Hades. Had a minute remaining. And, and, and actually, it worked out all right. I, I had the boon that regenerates health when you have no death defiances, so that was uh, no doubt a factor. But, but, you know, just so everyone knows, I did win that run. Um, I... <laughs> Also played River City Girls. Um, played that on my stream. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. It's free on Game Pass right now, or it just got added to Game Pass. I shouldn't say free on Game Pass because that's bullshit. But it's on Game Pass right now, and it's something that I've been meaning to get to because I like the River City games, and I like seeing another interpretation of it. Dialogue is, um, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's pretty extra, I think is the way I would phrase it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am looking forward to playing more of it because I like the flow of the combat and how it's opening up as the experience builds and, you know, you gain levels and unlock more attacks just inherently and then, you know, buy more from the dojo and the customization. It's, it's, it's fun. I'm having a good time playing it, but boy, yeah, I'm not sure about some of these characters and, and situations. Yeah. Mm. But, you know. I'll keep playing it. So yeah, I've been playing that. And along with that, because I've been looking for more games that I can play co-op because I haven't had anybody to play co-op games with, you know, in a while, local co-op. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend really likes them. So I've been hunting around for stuff and uh, I had Super Mutant Alien Assault, which I've been playing single player. I'd been playing for a long time, a lot, and then just forgotten about somehow. And it's a really simple roguelike type thing where you go through 12 levels and you're a 
little robot and you have guns that you can collect from a machine and grenades you can collect from a different machine and they have a cooldown timer so you're limited to whatever random thing it was that you got uh, to deal with the enemies coming in and a lot of the different levels will have some secondary task in a lot of circumstances besides just you know live through this it's go retrieve a canister and drop it off in this location and do that action three times or carry another thing that you can throw but don't hit an enemy with it because it's going to evolve it into its highest form and then you're going to have to fight that fucking thing and there's bosses and there's just a really cool balance of elements in it that's satisfying to play but i'd never played it co-op before and that's really fun too like there is some friendly fire to be concerned with there because explosive weapons can damage anyone that they hit, even yourself. So grenades and rockets take on a new lethality. That's a lot of fun. The art's really good. And I'd forgotten the music is actually really enjoyable. It's just dumb dub steppy stuff, but it's satisfying and fits the aesthetic. It's a fun game. And it's, if I'm remembering, pretty cheap if you if if you go pick it up but it, it i have had a lot of fun with it solo and and can say it's pretty good in cooperative too i'm going to look on steam and see how much it's at 10 bucks yeah yeah. It's on sale a lot though i think that's a good price it is a good price i think yeah so anyway that i played that that was fun. Yeah. The only other thing I've been slowly chipping away at playing is uh, I've been playing that Yakuza 7 some more. I really love that game. You know when you really enjoy a game but you can't recommend it without some caveats? It's one of those. Mm-hmm. So, Yakuza 7. As an RPG, it is a lot of fun. It is um, very good at keeping its action very fast-paced, keeping it amusing and never letting anything drag on too long, which is great. When it's being a big dramatic story about the Yakuza, it's great. I'm loving the big dramatic story. When it's being silly and over the top, I'm having a great time with it. It's got this weird duality to it that I, I can't quite work out how one studio made this game because any time that there is actual story content, where there is voiced story content, the game is really good at being thoughtful and considerate about the state of the world and minority groups. It has done, it has some really good moments of humanizing how. How it's really difficult to get out of homelessness when you don't have a permanent fixed address, for example. It touches on a lot of stuff in a more thoughtful way than a lot of games would. And then you turn around the corner and there's an enemy type called Hungry Hungry Homeless. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a little off for them to rip off Triple H's name. <sighs> Here's how I would sum up the love-hate relationship I have with Yakuza, Yakuza Like a Dragon. It feels like the story was made by a completely different team to whoever had to come up with the enemy designs and name them, because everything outside of the like generic enemies is really thoughtful and creative and clever and well put together. And then, oh, here's an enemy, he's a fat man, he likes to eat food, he's got a big shirt that says I love food and his belly's hanging out. That's a bad person, beat them up. Oh, there's a homeless man it's funny because he's hungry yeah the gross stuff is entirely condensed into the generic overworld enemy combat enemy designs and names and everything outside of that feels like a completely different company made it and i don't know how to feel about that like the way i have been dealing with it is i've generally just i don't read enemy names I have stopped reading the names of any of the enemies because I'm like, that's going to be kind of shitty. I don't want to read that. I'm really invested in everything else about the game. And most of the enemies are fine. It's just occasionally, oh, oh, how, d how did the same game that is having a really serious conversation about like how homeless people are often like treated poorly by society. And then, oh, there's, there's the, oh, isn't it funny? Our homeless villain over there. Oh, mm. I don't understand how both of those happen in one game. I mean, that's Yakuza. <laughs> it's Yakuza. It's. <laughs> that's, that's the series for you. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. I am having a great time with it, but like, I'm putting that caveat out there. That is a thing to be aware of going in. For sure, yeah, I didn't. Like, you know, I'm used to Yakuza shit, but even so, it's good to know that in advance. Like, Yeah, like, I, that's the 
that's the thing. I know that it's a thing, and like it's not stopping me from enjoying the game, but I know that it might. Sure, sure. I feel about it this way right now, where I'm like, I'm having a great time with this game, but it's only going to take me turning one corner and seeing another one of those really insensitive enemy types for me to go, that's the one that's broken the camel's back and I'm going to stop playing. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm hoping I can just avoid that. There's always that mild fear with Yakuza, isn't there? There's always just this mild fear of, oh God. Yeah, so many of the side quests in in Like a Dragon have been so good, have been so creative and well thought out and, uh, yeah. It's a frustrating game to talk about. Yeah. I was going to get it last night. Yeah. It's not on PS5. No, it's on PS4, but not PS5 yet. You can, you can download the PS4 version on PS5. That you can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue playing it, but expect at some point on Podquisition in the coming weeks to be like, oh yeah, this is the one where I stopped playing and here's why. Right. I, I want to persist and I want to hope that just that one that goes too far just doesn't happen, but we'll see. I'm... I'm being cautious of it. We had a, uh, did we have any other games we wanted to talk about? Or did we want to go on to some news events before we wrap up? Well, I know you played that Sackboy. Oh, yeah. Sackboy's Big Adventure or whatever. Sackboy A Big Adventure, yes, I think. Yeah, is. I did yeah. play some of that. I've played a bit more since I last talked about it. Have you played some? I have played some. This was during my, my rampage last night. <laughs> I I bought and installed Sackboy A Big Adventure because I needed some colours. So I played, I played quite a bit of it. I was going to say, did you have fun? Because I imagine that might be the perfect mental state to have fun with that game yeah i mean yeah like it's it's very pretty and and i I, i'm always a sucker for sort of woolen textures and things in games like i love the the yoshi's woolly world and stuff they do a great job of that like yoshi's crafted world style everything feels like it's made of physical materials yeah yeah like it's got that little big planet vibe to it but feels a lot more like a a properly structured game i absolutely love some of the the music state like how the music informs the way the the level moves and everything and you know they've done that little big planet thing of taking some um you know fairly accessible licensed music and they've got that one about not believing someone until you've watched them do things and they've said hallelujah um that's all it's a nice song i like it's catchy that's all i remember did bulldog do it or not i don't know what bulldog's done but there was that and there was the what was the one i played uh, before we recorded it was in a jungle and it was uh oh god what was the song Anyway, it's a well-known song, yeah. and sort of as you move through the level, you might get sort of bounced around, or enemies might sort of do a little dance in time to the music. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff, the not necessarily rhythm game stuff, but just the environment reacting yeah. to the music, so it just feels all part of the you know experience. However, my fucking god is it slow yeah and that's what's killing it it's too slow that's the thing it's everything is going so glacially slow and it feels like it's so that children have a billion years to react to what's happening children aren't as stupid as this game thinks they are no exactly like this game is like ah you're a child you can only collect coins if they're in a straight line and you walk in a straight line and ah congratulations you got them all and just slowly plodding along this is one of them games that's gonna skate by on it's just a kid's game don't be so harsh but have respect for your children people they demand better i'm the exact right person who might love a game like this because i loved yoshi's crafted world i i played hours and hours and hours of that i don't mind a simple easy game that is not complicated and has very pretty things for me to look at hell in kirby's epic yarn you can't even die yeah i'm not opposed to an easy game but a game that is this slow and handholdy with its easiness like it's just a little too glacial yeah and yeah that that's the big killer that and sometimes the camera's a little squiffy and makes it hard to judge your landing mm. which if you're worried about kids struggling like maybe maybe focus more on that but yeah the the, the slow movement of the, the of the sack boy is just so it's such a hurdle there's the very opening of the level that I was trying to remember a moment ago has these grills on either side with fire that sort of come up in a sort of you know time limit and there's a couple of point orbs 
on each of these grills that are shooting fire. And you don't have enough time because Sackboy moves so slowly to go across the grill and get all of the point orbs in one go on each grill. Which, okay, fine, you could say that's the challenge. But when you've got to jump back for one orb that you missed <laughs> really slow because Sackboy moves so excruciatingly slowly it can't move across a platform that you really feel in any other video game would not be an issue whatsoever. It's so frustrating because it's it's such an energetic game. It's so brightly colourful and the music is so, you know, the game's yelling, don't believe me, just watch, don't believe me, just watch. And I'm like, I'd love to, I'd love to believe you, Bulldog. I think it's you. But I, I, I need to be able to play the game, not just sit here and watch. I want to be able to move in time with that piece of music you've got going. I don't want to be moving slower than the music. Yes, that, I think you've nailed it. That's the big issue is things like, like things bursting out of the ground that you can hit for points and they burst in and out. In time to the music and it's like everything is in sync and in rhythm but me yes and that leads to this disconnect in an otherwise a game that should be really good i should be talking about just how fun and bombastic and energetic it is i've gone back to it a few times because i want to like it and i kept having this hope of like ah oh, maybe maybe as i get further in it'll no, no. yeah it's just it's such a small detail but it, the entire quality of the game hinges on it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, that character's movement speed almost entirely tanks the game, which is somewhat impressive to have a game that otherwise looks like it could be really good, but is just the main character moves too slow. Maybe they could patch it and update that. I genuinely believe the game would be very, would be way better if they just sped it up. I would be open to playing some more of it if that was the case. Yeah. Like, you could safely double the speed of that thing, I think, and you'd have a pretty good game. Uh, there were some newsy bits this week we can go through quickly. A big one that happened. Capcom has been the victim of a major ransomware attack. Hmm. A lot of people have been talking about this because, <gasps> lots of video game news! There's also the fact that a lot of Capcom employees had their personal information leaked and that is a terrible situation that's occurred. That's real fucking shitty. Yeah, that's... <sighs> yeah, it, it's a difficult story to know how to cover in that, like, from, from what we can tell from reporting, Capcom were made aware of this, uh, that this data had been compromised and they basically took the stance of we are not going to pay up. We're not going to bow to you demanding money out of us. And that is a brave move to have made, considered, like, we now know the next, like, four years of roadmap of what a Capcom is planning to release and when. Yeah, but hell, I mean... To dig your heels in, I yeah yeah okay. I can I can respect it. I I respect them being willing to go. Yeah, fuck it. Tell tell everyone what we're working on. Yeah, we're not giving you shits money. I I respect it almost as much as I respect Stanley Kubrick keeping his mouth shut all those years. Yeah, I mean you know commit commit to the bit. That's what I say. You you, you commit to something. Yep. And and yeah, it, frankly. Why even worry about it? Something like this just generates a whole bunch of buzz, and people's memories are so short-lived anyway that they're not going to care if these things aren't fulfilled necessarily the same way. It's the game industry. Does four years of planning in the game industry really fucking matter? Six months from now, that roadmap will look different. Oh, yep. 100%. Uh, there are some interesting things on there that uh, I'll skim through some of the, the the headlines that are interesting. Resident Evil Four in VR. That's a thing that I'm kind of fascinated by. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil Eight's probably coming out in April. It looks like. Cool. Google paid millions to Capcom to get Resident Evil games on Stadia. We got some insight into the fact that like, oh, games on Stadia are not there because the publishers like, hey, yeah, I'd like us to be on that platform. It's Google actively stepping forward and going, if we. Pay Pay you millions? Will you please put your games on our platform? Uh, I mean, we, we pay you a lot up front to do it, please. I can't say that stuns me. It's not surprising, but it's interesting to see it laid out on paper. Yeah. Apparently, Capcom has plans to release some kind of Resident Evil video game every single year between now and 2024. Well, let's just hope that they don't adopt any other, you know, 
practices of Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah. So get ready for Resident Evil to become somewhat of a, an annualized franchise. I would guess we're probably looking at new game remake, new game remake. It's probably going to be the cycle looking at the last couple of years. If they keep doing them good. Yeah. Sure. So far they haven't they haven't done a bad one yet. Yeah, some people have pushed back on the Resident Evil 3 remake. Some people have I loved it. But I know some people felt a little underwhelmed. So we'll see how it goes. I know while I feel a remake of 4 isn't necessary and I really hope they don't overly serious it because part of what made 4 work was that it was like... This is, it was two steps off from a Kojima game. Yeah. Um, I really hope they retain that. But at the same time, I understand there'll be a massive amount of hype for it and, and I would be interested in it. Yeah. Um, Dragon's Dogma, apparently getting a sequel. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I will never, I will replay that game a million times. I'll never come close to finishing it properly. God, same. But like, that's not a thing I would have like said, oh, that's guaranteed to get a sequel. So that's kind of interesting to, to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd gladly play one. Yeah. And surprising no one, Street Fighter 6 is in development. Who's surprised? Street Fighter, a very successful series, is getting another game at some point. I can't imagine Billy Capcom, the CEO of Capcom, got this ransomware and just thought, right, they're going to tell the world that we're about to release a shitload of Resident Evils in a Street Fighter game. <laughs> We better pay them up. Oh no, we can't. Time to pay the piper. We can't have the world know that there's some Resident Evils and a Street Fighter off in the distance. <laughs> what they don't realise is if you put the release dates in order, you get the secret recipe for Coca-Cola. Ooh. <laughs> That's the only way this, this roadmap would be valuable. I had a couple of other bits of news. This this one's just a, a video game company doing a good thing that other companies should probably follow in their footsteps with. You know how a bunch of companies have been saying like, hey, during COVID, you can work from home. Square, Square Enix has committed to permanently having work from home as an option for any staff that want to make use of it. And that's a great thing. You know what? I will actually fucking clap that. I that's actually one. fucking... That's... That is solid. Yeah, because fun fact, everyone, uh, disabled people for years and years have been lobbying for work from home to be an option because it makes a lot of jobs more accessible to a lot of people with different disabilities. Yeah. And for years, disabled people have been told, it's just not possible, it's just not possible, it's just not possible. And this year necessitated making it possible for non-disabled people. And what we need to see is more companies doing what Square Enix has done here, which is going, oh... It can work, and we do have the infrastructure for it. So yes, we will make that an option for people who would like or need it. Well, and I, and I think ultimately it will be reflected on the bottom line as a cost-saving measure. Everybody's going to win here. Yeah, they save money on office space, on power to run your computer, on a bunch of little factors. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. If you've got, got the infrastructure now, let people do it. Oh, and Square Enix employees? There might be some listening. I used to be friends with one or two, right? Claim the electric on your taxes. Yeah. So yeah, that's Government's just... lucky now. <laughs> that's just a thing that Square Enix is doing, which everyone should probably do. This year, this year is the perfect chance. Let disabled people work from home in your businesses. Yeah. Because it turns out that letting people work from home, like socialism, actually is possible when capitalism fails. Yep, yep, yep. Which it has. All year the moon landing didn't happen, these bones aren't my own. <laughs> uh, and the last little bit of news we had this week. Jim, you managed to get your PS5. You managed to get your hands on one. I did. You were not as unlucky as some. There were people more unlucky than yourself. Yep, scum, I call them. Ah, ah. So... In the UK, there was a bit of an issue with Amazon deliveries of PS5s. Oh no. There are fairly widespread reports of people receiving their PlayStation 5 box, and it's the right size, <sighs> but something's a bit off about it, and they open it up, and there's like a bag of cat food in their PlayStation 5 box. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Like, I'm not laughing at... Like, that is fucking not on. No. And that's clearly just full-on theft. Yeah. However... Opening up the PS5 box to find a bag of cat food in there. It's just, it's almost the perfect insult because it's not really one. Yeah, yeah. You'd spend ages wondering what they meant by it. <laughs> 
and, and nothing. It just it it weighed equivalent to a PS5. But you're there all day long, not yeah. only thinking I've just spent almost five hundred bucks on cat food. You're also thinking why cat food? Well, is it coming with the correct item listed in the shipping label inside? Yes, it is. Okay, uh, it's coming with the correct shipping label. A lot of these cases, the Amazon tape has been cut open and has been recovered with uh, uh. with clear tape. It's very clear that someone in the distribution center or the van or somewhere in the process has gone I know how to recognize today the PS5 box and weight and there's a lot of them I could just I could just have that one yeah tell you what right a- Amazon and that have a look on Twitter right and when you see these people with fucking photographs of of 60 PS5s that they're selling for 1500 bucks have a word so here's the oh, thing oh hang, I- <laughs> hang on hang on hang on what Amazon knows where they live. <laughs> I am not. I. Mm, okay, look, I, it is very unfortunate that some end consumers have wound up being the victim of a theft. However, these people are stealing this shit for a reason. Yeah. And it's because of fucking Amazon. Yeah. And now you want to have them go fucking track these people down and, and, and apply a punitive measure to their already suffering existence. I anticipated your concern, Conrad. <laughs> Because the moment I said Amazon have a word, I thought, right, we're going to have to backtrack on this. <laughs> so I will just say there's one exception, and that's when you tweet fuck your feelings with a photo of 60 PS5s. Yeah, then At you that have point, you come. wave all rights and sympathies. Uh, yeah, if that person's involved. <laughs> so I've seen some skepticism online of people going, I don't believe this really happened. And... I want to bring a story to you all. I've got story time. So about, I think it was about a year ago, at some point the Oculus Quest was a thing and I had one come into me in the post and I had me tracking information. And I was like, okay, it's it's due. It's due by about this time today. And it arrives and I open up the box and it's the right size box. Like it clearly was meant to have this VR headset in it. Most of the box is full of uh, scrumpled up paper and all that is in the box is a small box of silicon baking sheets in the place of my very expensive VR headset. Okay. And I tell you, when you have to call up customer support and be like, hello, I ordered a very expensive piece of tech and you have sent me silicon baking sheets. I feel very bad for everyone who had this PS5 issue because the first thing customer services say to you is, are you sure you didn't order blank thing? <laughs> are you sure instead of a virtual reality headset, you didn't order you got some <laughs> Are you sure you didn't order the virtual reality cooking mama set? You have to have this moment of like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I paid hundreds of pounds. You know, I, I, I'm expecting a high-end yeah. piece of hardware. And you have provided... Like, I have no proof that I didn't just take the VR headset out the box and put some baking sheets in there. But please believe me, you sent me baking sheets. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is, is it is such a bizarre scenario. And the question they ask is so reasonable in relation to the bizarreness that you will end up at some point thinking did i (laughs) did i just did i just buy a 500 bag of cat food (laughs) and that's the thing i feel so genuinely bad for the people who had this ps5 issue because i know it happens i know what it's like to have to make the call and go Excuse me, there's a Nerf gun where my PlayStation 5 should be. Someone got a Nerf gun instead of a PS5. Oh my god. Ah, so Amazon has done nothing really to fix it. They've offered like, Uh. we'll give you a refund and a £5 Amazon voucher if you really beg for it. Just send us your fingerprints and we'll we'll give you £5. I don't like ordering things online anymore. I had an issue yesterday. I ordered a monitor. I've got a fancy new monitor. And it got marked as delivered and it hadn't been delivered. And I... Oh, that happened to me all the fucking time. So I called up and I'm like, okay, do you have any idea where this is? And it's supposed to be delivered by like eight or something and at 11, like 10 o'clock at night I get a message going yeah they're bringing it now and it really seems like they might have just marked it delivered and when they got told off of nicking it were like okay fine I'll come back after I've done the journey fine you can have it Ugh. there's some real cheek sometimes it's like, tough give me my thing I want me thing it happens to me on the reg here and it, and it's 
I don't know where the mistake is. If it's in the, I, I don't know. I th- it might be the electronic system or something. But stuff of mine will go missing. I've got some wig stands that have gone missing. I've got hair pieces hanging around the house like fucking tribbles. Yeah. Well, look, back in the day on Pulquisition, there was that 3DS that they that someone forged a signature for. That Reggie rerouted. Yeah, the, uh, the the Reggie nicked it one, yeah. Where, yeah. like, someone had put a signature on it. I'm like, no, I didn't sign for it. They're like, yes, you did. No, no that's, that's not my oh, signature. Oh, shit. What? Oh, shit. I've gotten... S- I've been doing so much talking. I forgot Ophidian's on his way. Ophidian's <laughs> oh. <laughs> on his way with my new mask. <gasps> Ooh. He left about... Oh fuck! He left about twenty minutes. Should we but... should we wrap this up? I think yeah, we should. He's gone to the shop first, so I should be okay for a moment. Laura, we talked about this really good book earlier. Oh, that's a really good I don't good know book. if uh, yeah, I don't know if you'd like to tell people about it again. Remind them. Well, it's called Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, and it's coming out on February fourth, twenty twenty one. It is an illustrated coffee table book of silly and serious video game character butt reviews. February fourth, twenty twenty one. You should pre order it. It's got a bunch of cool people have done words in it. Jim's one of them. There's, right. there's cool words in there and nice fancy pictures. Do you want to look at a picture of uh, Geralt's bottom drawn very high you definition? Can. You can have a look at that. Other than that, Laura K. Bar's everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. LauraKBuzz.com. Everything ends up there. I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Accessibility is a show I publish every Friday on YouTube. It's about accessibility and representation in the games industry. Go give it a watch. There's other books. There's Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being an autistic trans woman and it's out now. You can get it as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There is Gender Euphoria, which is uh, about non-cis people's just gender-affirming, nice, positive stories. And that's out June 10th, 2021. Then there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt, it's about video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is about things that aren't video games. And... Uh, there's Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven with Conrad. Hey, that is right. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman, or you could come and hang out with me on Twitch. I'm on there Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, often the other people on this podcast are there too, so it's a fun time. Uh, you could also buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. And uh, other than that, uh, Jim, you have a Patreon, don't you? Oh, Jesus Christ, yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Chimquisition. You're very, very welcome. Um, actually put a little blog update on there uh, today. Um, I meant to just do a little update, but then I just wrote an entire thing. Um, so you can read that. It's got some updates on the video series we're doing and what we're doing on, on the channel and everything. Um, I know the Chimquisition.com is down. It's not a domain issue. I've got that. Don't worry about it. It's a back-end issue. I don't like the back-end we had, so I've got to go sort that out. So that'll go on the list of things to do um i, do, I stream on twitch twitch tv slash jim sterling and that's about it um i haven't even had a shower i've got to get myself all ready so i will speak to you all later thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week bye 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 <laughs>